0: Welcome to a night or an afternoon or a mo- You know what? I don't know when you're fucking listening to this, so why don't you cut me a fucking break? <laughs> what a great intro, I know. Welcome to Obscure Chatter Halloween Edition. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the first and only episode of Obscure Chatter where I am not watching something. If you are new to Obscure chatter, know that I typically listen to uh, just a tiny little sliver of a movie or television show and let that dictate the runtime, and it's something that's a favorite of mine. If we have a guest on, they are talking about, you know what? <laughs> You're here for a Halloween special. You're here for Halloween stories. You're here for spoopiness and kookiness, and you know what? Last year, we... Ate a lot of candy and we paid for it dearly we're not doing that this year we are going to have some guests on the show that got to tell some really cool stories we've got tia ballard we've got ben phillips we've got kristen mcguire we've got carl brooks carl g brooks excuse me We've got um, submissions from Jamie Snowden. We've got submissions from Rylinger. We've got, oh, uh, there's Herstigen. I might have ruined your name, but please forgive me. I'm going with Herstigen or Herstigen. And if neither are correct, I'm just going to call you H-Man. No, wait, that makes it sound like you sell heroin. Maybe that's just me. This is starting off great. I'm really excited about it. Okay. So, without further ado, our first submission is from Jamie Snowden, and it is being read by the ever-so-talented Ben Phillips. Jamie didn't have a name for it, so I'm going to go with, how bizarre.
1: Back when I was in high school, some friends and I would visit this abandoned orphanage. We called it The House, but it was massive. It was technically private property, but you could tell others had been there, as it had graffiti on the walls, etc. Nothing too crazy here, though. It was mostly vacant. This orphanage never had anybody in it. It was closed before they even opened. They had a cool area, though, we'd hang out at, where they even had an inside pool. We would go there every now and again, maybe once every other month, just to hang out. Well, right across the fence of the orphanage was another giant mansion-esque building. But we always swore to never go in there, as it had a light on in a room at the top of the building. We assumed somebody lived there. However, of course, dumb kids being dumb kids, we got curious one night. We walked up to it. We couldn't find a way in. Front doors were boarded up. Finally, I found a side door. I opened it up myself only to find a literal gate blocking my entryway. How bizarre. Imagine opening a door and just seeing, like, a prison cell gate. But I got a glimpse inside and saw only a trash can that, well, did have trash in it. Someone was definitely living there. I called out to my friends and we made a run for it. About a month or so passes, and one of our friends, with clearly a lot of free time on his hands, told us that he'd been scouting out that other mansion, said he would go to the regular, the house we'd often go to, and lay in the lawn with binoculars, spying at the other mansion to see if anyone was coming or going. He said he did it for a select few days for about two weeks and noticed zero activity. He suggested we try and enter. We talked it over and agreed. Let's check out the other house. Days pass, but we finally decide to go. Doors were still locked. However, a knuckle-headed friend decided to break the window by the front and enter that way. We enter. This place was creepy. Papers scattered all over the place. They had a bar inside, and the cups and glasses were shattered like someone had thrown them. We found multiple posters advertising some old concert. We kept looking around, nothing weird yet. Until we found a bunch of medicine. But not your average Tylenol or Ibuprofen. I mean, like, syringes and medicine that's all written in Arabic. Then my friends find two Bibles, one big and one a bit smaller, Well, once they got the Bibles, things got weird. We started hearing voices. Like, at first we thought some people were outside, so we were freaking out, but I don't think that was the case. But fearing getting in trouble, we realized it was time to leave. We all rushed to get out, and our friends found a door. They all left, myself included. All of us except our friend, who held the big Bible... For some reason, all the doors for him were locked, even the one that all of us just left from. He tried to escape and said he kept hearing voices. He even tried breaking a window to escape, but it it, it wasn't breaking. He finally decided to set down the Bible, and only then did the window finally break, and he fled, leaving the Bible on the floor of the mansion. We all regroup in a friend's car heading back to my dad's house where we came from. All feeling a bit freaked out, we were just glad to be heading home. However, my other friend still had the small Bible. We get back to my dad's house, and he sets the small Bible down on the kitchen table. My friends spend the night there, but go to different rooms. We say goodnight and spread out. Downstairs in the living room, which is connected to the kitchen, it's me and two more friends sharing the couches, We're all talking, having a good time. Then we hear what sounds like a chair from the kitchen table getting lifted up and set back down. We look over. Nothing, and nobody's there. Except a small Bible. We're freaked out. Was the chair propped up and just fell back down or something, a friend asks? No, I was sitting there, and I swear it was on the floor, another friend says. We say, screw this, and throw the Bible outside of the front door onto the welcome mat, and agree that we'll deal with it in the morning. We wake up. Nothing else weird occurred. My friends left, one of them taking the small Bible home with him. I haven't heard anything about it since.
0: You know, I really don't have a lot of spooky stories. I think on that anime show, I did tell one about being stalked. That wasn't—I didn't consider it a scary story. I just considered it being a woman in the world. Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) I need to go back to therapy. Uh— Thank you, Ben, for reading Jamie's submission. And Jamie, thank you for submitting. Thanks to all that submitted. I'll thank you more, I'm sure. But uh, up next, we have a story read and relived by Kristen McGuire. Kristen didn't have a name for it, so I'm going to go with the story went something like this.
2: The following is a true story. I grew up in Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. The area was heavily forested, with lots of bike trails and nature paths. My friend Lee and I spent many hours traipsing through the woods behind their house. There was an overturned Volkswagen Beetle rotting away in the middle of the dense foliage, more rust than car. There was also an overturned wheelbarrow, and what looked like pieces of asphalt scattered all around the vehicle. Naturally, a car just rotting away in the middle of a forest had to have an amazing origin story, which Lee was happy to entertain me with. The story went something like this. A young couple got into a fight on prom night. The boyfriend was driving them home in the rain and took a turn too fast. The car crashed, and the couple was instantly killed. The road's curve was supposedly so notorious for causing crashes that it was torn up, hence the pieces of asphalt everywhere. Of course, I don't know if any of that was true, but it didn't change the fact that we visited the car often, hoping to catch sight of a ghost or two. One day, we decided to take my mom's camera and take a bunch of pictures of the car in the area around it. Digital cameras were just becoming popular, so they were still rather expensive. I was just using a point-and-shoot camera that still used film. We snapped pictures of the car from all sorts of different angles, the wheelbarrow and anything else that we thought looked like it could possibly be haunted. There was a tree not far away that had been struck by lightning, so it was devoid of leaves and mostly black. We took a picture of that, too. I dropped the film off to get developed, and a few weeks later we excitedly went through the pictures to see if any ghosts had made their appearances. The car was disappointedly unhaunted, not a single ghost or orb to be seen. The dead tree, however, had a strange white light that took up most of the photo. It was mostly straight, with a few tendrils poking out of one side. Lee and I studied it for a long time and couldn't figure out what it was. Finally, I decided to look at the negatives of the photos that were in the package with them. In the negatives, the white light had a very definite form. It was the outline of a man. But the part that made the hair on our arms stand straight up was that the unidentifiable tendrils in the photo were actually a hand, and it was reaching right for us.
0: I mean, are we not all on the same page? They clearly wanted you to touch them up. It's probably been like, what, Three, four weeks at least, if they've got tendril-like fingers. They want you to hook them up with a nail tech. Come on. No? All right, you know what? Screw you. Not all your jokes are funny. (sighs) It's a really good story. And how about that narration? Kristen must be, I don't know, like a voice actor or something. It's crazy. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Kristen. Up next, we've got Herstich Story. Again, I apologize if I'm butchering your name. I love you dearly. You are amazing. But this one I am calling Heart Shaped.
3: Every kid thinks that there's something scary about their house or there's something weird about it. Whether it's the people or there's a particular area of the house. For me... I didn't mind going underneath the house. I didn't mind climbing the trees. I didn't mind going near all the spiders and the cockroaches and the mice. What really got me was when you're in the hallway that connects all the bedrooms and then all the doors are closed, so you're in pitch black. And that's when you realize you're not alone. There's something on the in that one section of that room, or is that one corner? So it's like, well, I better not be caught that one day where all the doors are closed and there's that stuck and I need to get to the other side, but I know that guy's there. So to me, that was just like, oh, this must be like just a childhood fear, And and then you find out that you got a relative that's like slightly younger than you. And then she has the exact same fear and you're like, oh shit, I thought it was just me. That's when things get a little bit weird, but you're just told you're a dumb kid by all the other adults and by all the other siblings and cousins. Moving on. So Mum was a, still is a big believer in having her readings done through of all things. She did get a particular, peculiar image of, uh, this little figure. He had like a little tail attached. Uh, he had like little horns and he happened to be holding a key. The key was also heart checked. It was quite detailed for something that just sits inside a little coffee cup. And, uh, yeah, mum sort of freaked out when she saw that thing there. And I was just like, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> Isn't it always random? And really soon after that, she brought in a priest and I was just wondering, well, I guess it's a bit weird that we got a priest coming to the house. Hmm, he's rubbing water across my forehead. Oh, he's singing some little words to me. Oh, I guess he's doing a patrol around the house. That's weird. What was weird later on was my family telling me that the whole point of that priest there was because they were sick and tired of me doing my sleepwalks and uh, I'd have night terrors and I'd be trying to escape the house and ask them, what was I saying in my sleep? And they said, well, no one could understand you. And I said, what do you mean no one could understand me? And they said, well, it wasn't our language and it wasn't English. We don't know what the hell you're saying but you them. You were on a mission to get out of the house. It's like, whatever. I don't remember what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Weird like that. I mean, I don't know, was it the house? Was there something beforehand? I do know that once we had moved out and my parents decided to turn it into an investment property, uh, future tenants didn't really have good luck in there. Like, The first family, they, I guess, they they settled in divorce. The next family, they just had escalations of domestic violence. Uh, The next one had domestic violence more, which was, they also had some shenanigans going in other areas of the house. And then we kind of had this other couple where a partner decided to hang himself in the garage uh, that was a bit out of the blue. So, yeah, there's some weird things. I don't know if it's tied to that property, the house. It could also just be the demographic and the area that what it was known for. I'm going to stick with that. But it was weird for all the other stuff that happened to me. I
0: mean, yeah, yeah. Kind of, sort of, Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're still here. The heart-shaped key is interesting. All of it's interesting. I love spooky stories like that. I used to be a lot more of a skeptic, and I think Stevens made me a lot more... Ooh. I mean, sometimes. Other times, I'm a giant jerk. It's not a ghost. It's the wind. Your house isn't haunted. You're lonely. But uh, that's a Ron Swanson thing. I'm not making fun of anybody. Up next, we have a submission from Reilinger. I took a crack at this one. Reilinger, I hope you enjoy. Also, this one didn't have a name, so I went with Grim Knight. One night, after a late night session of Dungeons & Dragons, me and my old roomie were headed home. It was a longer drive as we lived in the country and was around 2 a.m. by the time we were pulling onto our road. As we were turning to go down the road, my headlights swept over an area that should have appeared white, as a house with white siding was what my headlights were shining on. In reality, though, the area my headlights illuminated was very much a dark black in the shape of a very large dog with two gleaming eyes. My roommate was scrolling TikTok and missed the event, but once we parked in the driveway, I rushed him inside and promptly locked the door. As a good country-raised kid, I know to just pretend like I didn't see anything until safely inside. About a week later, my roommate was riding his bike home from work, and on his way home, he had to stop as a black shape was blocking the road. He stopped and sat until the figure a large black dog stood and then sauntered off into the woods. Hmm. I believe it was benevolent because about a quarter mile up the road was a cemetery, which means it was probably just a meandering church grim, but it was definitely spooky. Okay. No more Terry narrator, more Terry host now. And uh you know it took me a couple times reading that to figure out what he, you meant by church grim? And now I'm just kinda kinda keep working that into this conversation somehow. I love it. Um Never had anything like that happen to me. Uh, I typically think something scary is happening to me, happening to me, and it ends up being like, "Oh no, you aren't getting robbed." Your parents were waiting for you to go to bed to put out presents on Christmas Eve. You're like, ah, oh, cool. Well, I wish I'd known that before I hit Ralph. But, anyways, um, Ralph's fine. He's fine. But okay, let's see. Up next, we have the ever so talented, ever so brilliant. I'm only slightly in love with this woman. Just slightly. Tia Ballard. Tia is talking about experiences with her and her roommate, Maria. I'm going with the title, Ruling with Shadows. It's time to get spooky. So this is a
4: story that is a true story. It happened to a friend of mine and... Me, I guess. At the time, she was my roommate. Her name is Maria... And Maria is a very, very sweet person, a very silly person. A few things about her you should know. She is adopted. She comes from Paraguay. She doesn't know a lot about her family line or, or the place that she comes from. She's not ready to explore that part of herself yet, and I'm going to honor that today. But I will tell you that the thing that she did know about her or does now know about her past is that it's very tightly wound in Mayan culture. And if you know anything about Mayan culture, it, it has some dark times. So knowing that, uh, let's move forward. I moved in with Maria, and it, it happened so fast, maybe over a few months. She began to get different, cranky, angry, anxious, nervous all of the time. She was started having uh, nightmares, terrible nightmares, night terrors. Um, she would see dark figures that looked like animals crawling down the walls and staring at her. She would see um, old women in the room. She saw the hat man. And the way she described him in particular was they were very aware of each other. She knew that he was there and he knew that she saw him. And it filled her with so much fear she, she didn't get any sleep. And so over time, she became a shadow of who she was, just cranky, unhappy, confrontational. It also led her to some dark things. There was like a heavy cloud hanging over her all the time. She would look up, you know, gore things or morbid things online. And it was almost as if this anxiety that she was living in, she was trying to control it somehow. So by jumping in headfirst into those things that are scary, she was somehow facing it. But it was this weird cycle that got worse and worse. At one point, she came to me in the middle of the night sobbing, saying that she'd seen someone on our stairs, and this person looked like a burn victim. It frightened her. She saw uh, their reflection in a window, and then she looked over, and they were standing on the stairs. She rushed in my room and woke me up frantic, and that's when I, we, we sat together and we decided to figure out a plan. I never felt anything in the house, anything weird. I don't have time to go into my history, but from my history, I know that I am very, very well protected, especially when it comes to spiritual things. And my rule about ghosts is you're welcome to be here as long as you're doing a chore or as long as you're not hurting anyone. And things are starting to get serious now. So we had to talk. What what brought this on? How long has it been happening? And she told me that this actually happened to her in a different house before, with a different roommate. She thought it was over. It started when one of her brothers played with a Ouija board in their family home, and ever since then, things had been happening to her. She didn't know if it was because of the history of where she came from. She didn't know if dark things were just drawn to her. But ever since her brother had done that, things seemed to follow her and she couldn't stop it. She told me that in her previous home, it started with lighting fixtures turning on and off, moving. She actually had them on camera. Uh, She showed me a video of a light fixture moving on its own and how frightening that was uh, she had been pushed, physically pushed in the shower. She'd been pushed downstairs. She'd lost her footing. Felt like hands grabbing onto her and shoving. So she lived in a constant state of what's next. Um, we learned a lot together about how to fight off negative things. We learned about crystals. We worked on prayer at night, I'm a touchy-feely person. At night, I would come to her, and I would talk her through the day, and I would rub her head and, and just do what I could to just comfort her in this situation. And it's a really funny thing. You always see situations like this happening on television. Like, oh, my house is haunted. Just call in a priest. But it's a really weird thing to Google. I'm not Catholic. How do I find a priest? Things like that. How do I, how do I find someone to <laughs> protect my friend? What's wrong with my friend? So, we learned all these things together, and it did help. And actually, what brought her the most comfort was she and I had a Halloween party. Stephen Hoff was there. Yes, Stephen Hoff of this podcast was there, and I talked to him about it. He has very, very good instincts when it comes to things like this, and he told me that through his assessment, she was bringing it in. So, Yes, these things were real. Yes, these things were visiting. But by living in fear of them and waiting for them and just assuming this is how tonight is going to go, I'm going to see these scary things, it was making a cycle of this anxiety and anger and fright that would never end. By learning that she had the emotional power to conquer these things, she, she jumped into therapy She began self-healing. She began learning about her own trauma and how to heal as a human, how to fight negative feelings that will come for you sometimes. Does she still today have these situations happen? Yes, Uh, but they are not as often, and she has the power, and there's something really cool about that, knowing that in this world— There is unexplained darkness, but there's also unexplained goodness and light. And it's on you
0: to bring those good things in. That's an excellent way of looking at it, don't you think? Tia, thank you so much for sharing. Also, Maria, thank you for sharing. And who could have seen that Stephen mention coming? Because I didn't, and he didn't, but... Again, thank you for sharing. I know stuff like that's very, very personal, and we appreciate you allowing us to share it with the obscure chatter crowd. Our final story tonight is a submission from Carl G. Brooks, which, Carl, thank you so much for participating. Uh, your voice was awesome to hear, and I hope we hear more from you in the future. Our last story tonight is called A Drive in Darkness.
5: Driving through the woods at night isn't my ideal choice. It doesn't help when your ex-wife moves to a new city for our daughter's benefit. Personally, I'm starting to think it's out of spite just to force me to come out all this way. Of all the routes to maneuver around, this bare stretch of highway is the fastest path. At least it's not raining, just spooky. Even with the high beams on, they can barely pierce the veil of darkness ahead. It's always the first trip that feels like eternity until you reach your destination. Perhaps it'll be more pleasant during the day when I can plan ahead of these pickups. My tires pop. I'm grinding asphalt hard. I have no control. No thanks to the beefy chassis or the airbag deployment, but consider my skin saved. I check myself for injuries. Fingers, arms, knees, and toes. I can move. I exit the wreckage with some slight disorientation. Examining the car, it's certainly seen better days. It crashed right into a tree at the curve in the road. Well placed, one might say. Going as fast as I was, it's a miracle I'm walking at all. Confirmed, all four tires are popped. The front tires are nearly disintegrated. What did I run over? I start walking in the direction I came from, both in search of clues and to find a steady cell reception. Yep. This was absolutely the fastest route. Twenty minutes fly by as I walk and grow more and more frustrated with the no-service illuminating at the top dashboard of my smartphone. The greatest heights and feats human beings have come to accomplish in our timeline, and still nothing works. Something hit the bottom of my foot through my shoe. I try to lift it up, but in my own clumsiness, I land on my opposite side. Now a sharp pain hits my thigh. I cry in pain, unsure what struck me. Then, I see it. A strip of road spikes laid across the highway, nearly camouflaged by the night. Who would lay this out? Robbers? As I try to regain my footing, my own curiosity seems to have given me an answer far too soon than prepared. Footsteps. I turn to see what could be lurking behind me, and sure enough, a large, hairy beast of a man can be seen slowly approaching my direction. Some may argue my next course of action would be careless, irrational even, and they would be right. In my current state, bleeding under the left foot and the side of my right leg, I hastily hobble through the woods in hopes to lose track of the bear-sized behemoth now in pursuit of my person. Now I know how all those damsels must have felt being chased down by machete-wielding undead maniacs at summer camp. No weapons at my disposal. The closest instruments are branches and pebbles surrounding my path. There's a tire iron back of the car. Maybe I can make it back? Where am I? Through the forest's darkness, a small light can be seen from a cottage just ahead. Still wincing in pain, I make a push for the house. Maybe someone can help. Maybe they have protection. I knock at the door ferociously, praying someone's inside. Desperately, I reach for the doorknob. Another miracle happens. It's open. Clamoring my way inside, the first act is to find a weapon. Eureka! a fire iron. The door bursts open, and the giant swings it wide open, stomping his boots upon entry. I flail the iron rod in his direction, and he speaks to me, saying, Are you hurt? Off put by his response, I, Your leg looks pretty nasty. Uh, Let me get my med kit. I lower the rod in disbelief. He was trying to help me. I ran when all he wanted to do was help. His name is Zeph. He had admitted to laying out the road spikes. Zeph's intentions were to be of help by creating accidents. A car would hit the spikes, the driver would lose control, and he would be there to help. Reckless, as it sounds, he's been living on his own since his parents passed away. So he's been here this whole time. Alone. Alone. No malicious intent was meant behind his actions. All Zeph wanted was basic human interaction. I tell him about my daughter and the new challenges I face. I don't know exactly what would be the moral of the story. Don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, Ask a mysterious person at night if they plan to murder you or help you. But it's quite possible we can help each other out.
0: I'm going to go with no, Carl, like a big no, but thanks. I'm going to keep walking or, you know, whatever, just not doing any of that. (laughs) Thank you again so much for your submission, Carl. How great is his voice? How great is everybody's voice? Thank you, everybody that participated. We had six amazing stories, and that's because of you guys who have continued to allow obscure chatter to play around in your house, in your car, in your earbuds, all that stuff. And I very much appreciate it. We will be back in November. And uh, for those that are interested, we are still taking donations via Ko-Fi, but not a requirement. Uh, you know, we just like coffee. Thank you again for everybody that submitted. Happy fucking Halloween. Also, happy Halloween uh, for those who don't like cussing. I don't know why you're listening, me, But we will be back in November, like I said. And until then, read spooky stuff, watch spooky stuff, and just be spooky.